Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hello, how are you? My name is Tamara Calder-Richardson, and I am a six-time near-death experiencer. Some of you might have heard me as a Southern Bell medium, some of the after effects of my gifts, but today I want to give a candid recollection at least a couple of my near-death experiences so you could better understand what happened in them, which uh, really is life-changing. It changed me. So I uh, will immediately begin talking about, I had my first near-death experience, and I didn't even know it was called that, but when I was, um, before I was born, uh, I had a prenatal. Now, in Forever Angels, which is PMH Atwater's book, she does talk about prenatals, but I did have full memory and full account. It came up in a regression thing that I had. I've done a lot of past life, a lot of this life, a lot of other lives. Anyway, it came up with that and very much so a lot of detail. And so that was something that I didn't quite make it and felt a lot of love for a young mother and everything worked out. I'm here but I won't go into that now. I'm going to just give you the highlights of when I had these. And so the first, when I consider, but this is, it was really my second, was when I was three years old and I was playing and it was a, my uncle's mother-in-law's house when I was playing with his children, my cousin, and there was a very large antebellum house and we're playing hide and seek. So I run upstairs and I'm jumping up and down and under the dresser, a nail went through my head. So I saw being out of body, being by location, being everywhere at once, hearing everything. And then I had a contusion and I did come back in my body. It hurt. And so that was my second one. And I really wasn't the same after that. I started seeing spirit people. So then my next one was the next year. I had three in a row. So when I was four years old, is when I was with my mother at the time and she was a young mother. She divorced. It was like a shotgun wedding. So she was dating this guy. Anyway, they were in a car, got an argument. I'll go into this later and I'll pick it up from here. But basically I went through the windshield, went through the tunnel, all of that. And um, that was really fascinating in detail because I do see different locations at the same time and experiencing multi-dimension. So, well, we'll talk a little bit about that later on. So the next one, 
was my big one of the things that, that is really most important to my heart. And that was when I was five years old and I, um, I was, my family had moved to, to, um, Raleigh. And, uh, anyway, I, I was right before sixth grade, I got really sick and I had pneumonia and I died on the way to the hospital. And I'll go back to this later. I died on the way to the hospital, almost dead two hours and I was resurrected <laughs> by Jesus and I met him there. So he's wonderful. I truly love him. So I'll talk about that later. And then my next one was when I was around 10 and a half years old, we were on vacation at Royal Beach. I had a drowning. I got caught up under some boys playing uh, uh, volleyball. What is it? Water volleyball. And they didn't know I was under their legs. They were playing, getting into it. And I couldn't get up for air. And I literally saw the water open and angels heard an angel chorus. And next thing you know, coughing up water with a lifeguard. So that was another one. And then later on in life, uh, I guess I was around 34, I had a reaction to a menstrual pill for menstrual migraines. And I, I just had a horrible reaction. And I woke up, I couldn't talk, I could, I, I could barely move, I couldn't even wake up my husband, it was really weird. And I just checked out. I didn't know. I went to the living room. I sat down, turned on the TV, didn't know what a TV was. I didn't know. At some point, I I started hearing that white silence, white noise stuff. And then I didn't know my name. I didn't know I was male or female. I'm in the galaxy. And I just kept poking my finger until I got back in my body. So it was by location again. They were all very uniquely different, which I believe that all my near-death experiences and many other multiple near-death experiences like me, like myself, also have many after effects and also spiritual abilities. If you want to call it that, very alone, I didn't feel that way. But I want to go back and recount. I think it's fascinating. I think it's really interesting information what I found in my NDE when I was four and five. So I want to go back to that, to both of them very quickly. In that time that I was four years old, my mom was dating, as I said, she had the shotgun marriage, got a divorce, that did not work out. And so she is now a little bit older and she's wanting a husband and a father for me. And so she was interested in this man, Raymond Calder, and I still have his middle name and my name, you know, Tamara Calder Richardson, still use it. And so anyhow, he was a DJ and they went on a day date. He picked my mom and I up at my grandmother's, which was a very snowy day. And we went down the stairs. It was the back of the old Victorian house and met him. We went out to eat pizza. I remember that pizza hut. And then we went, got ice cream. And even I thought at that young age, it was kind of odd to eat ice cream, although I was never going to say no to eating ice cream. Little did I know I was allergic to gluten. We did. And then afterwards, we went by his radio station. He had to pick up some papers. We were there about an hour and a half, and they dropped me off looking. I got free albums and stuff. He said, look through all this. And so about an hour and a half later, they're arguing. He said, it's time to go. So we get in the car. They're in a horrible argument. The argument basically consisted of she wanting to get married. He wanted to wait until he had more money. But she wanted to get away under the thumb of her mother my grandmother. And so here we go. Argument was started. And so 
we get in the car. Back then, they didn't really have car seats or mandatory, you know, it's just with car seats. It was a big, large bucket seat. And he was arguing, put on the brakes. We spun around. I went up through the windshield. And the minute of the impact, I felt no pain, uh, which is interesting. That comes through a, a lot in my evidential medium readings. Uh, I did not feel pain and there was no pain. I was just here and then I was gone. And then I was in a very black space. Everything was black, which was confusing to me. And I was looking for my feet and my hands. I didn't know where they were <laughs> because I was spirit. I didn't have any. I didn't know that I was because it happened so fast. It was so fast. Then I started feeling confused and a little afraid, like afraid of or fear of kind of the unknown, like what happened? And so I saw this pin light coming toward me and it was, I had the sensation that I was in a tunnel. Maybe it was a portal. I don't know. I'll call it a tunnel. And not everybody with NDEs has tunnel experiences. They say only 30%. So I'm in this tunnel-like thing. And at the end, I see something coming toward me. It was Jesus. And there was people behind him. His hair was flowing as though a fan was blowing on him and his arms were stretched out and he said that I had to go back and I said and for a minute there I didn't really have an opinion but when I saw him even though it wasn't a raised really at that point I didn't know a whole lot my grandmother mentioned Jesus I kind of knew who he was but I knew who he was when he showed up I just knew that he said that I had to I had to stay, that I had a job to do. And I said, then I started arguing. I said, no. I said, I can't do this world. He said, you can and you must. And then he said, but I'll always be with you. <laughs> and so behind him were people that I knew were relatives. Yeah, I hadn't met them. How I knew their relatives, I don't know, but I did. And there was a bird that he had with him. And I accidentally threw an egg, which I thought was a ball. And I had killed a few months prior, a bird, and it broke my heart, and I just could not for, forgive myself for hurting an animal. And so someone behind Jesus said, your bird's okay, we've got him. <laughs> and so I love animals, that made me feel great. So when I do come back, I come back, I'm outside of my body, I'm very conscious, I'm seeing inside the situation, and they're getting someone to help, like these old two redneck guys, in a old Wagoneer Jeep to pull the front tire was in the tree. So they're trying to pull it out. And I'm observing that even though I'm not in my body, I'm kind of hovering around it, but I'm observing. And then on the outside, I'm saying it looks like a rip in time. It looks like a, I call it a God portal. It looks like creation. The closest thing I've seen to it is the book Shine On with Forrest David Ditchfield. He actually drew the same thing I saw. And it was gold and yellow and fire, but not scary. It was just like a guide creation portal. I saw that. I also saw, which I called like a rip in time. It just, and here, here it was. And then I saw an angel that was all gold and yellow that I knew to be Uriel. I also saw a cross in the park, which should have been frozen, which it was. But I also saw like Native American family cooking food over a fish with a baby, a man and a wife or a woman, whatever. And then I saw... A couple that was dressed in the 1800s with a buggy walking through the park. And then I saw an overhead a, a hot air balloon, which kind of is impossible. But I tapped into some other reality. And then behind, 
there was a fire station and I saw all firemen, but they were dressed in different time period fireman outfits. And then I saw other people that were friendly, but they were not really there. They were spirit people, but I could see them just like I could see anybody. And they were very concerned and friendly and they were dressed in all different time periods. And a lady came up to the window and she goes, hi, my mother knew your grandmother. I'm Judith Hafner. She's shopped her choice store. My gosh, you could just, and she was very friendly. And she said, we hear you're the one who's carrying our voices. And so they, I hear this whisper. She's so she's careful. So I didn't know that I would actually talk to people for a living doing this later on, people that have crossed over, but I love them. I was spirit. So anyway, fast forward, I did have my nose busted up and three surgeries later to remove cartilage and out of my nose and all of that. You know, I have still today have sinus problems, but considering that's okay, I'm fine. Thank God for that. And so I want to move into my next year. So she ends up marrying the DJ, right? He ends up adopting me. So we're not at this point a year later, he's putting the adoption papers through. And so he wants to improve himself, right? Because he has a family now. So he hired at another radio station in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we moved there. And during this time, my mom, she didn't really have any particular skills. She knew some administration and typing, but she was basically a housewife, but she did do part-time work with this service called Kelly Girl. And so while she was gone, I was being molested, okay, by the <laughs> stepdad. So it, that I would hide under the bed. I would lock myself in the closet. And I used to have a lot of conversations with God saying, I don't want to be here. And I used to say, can you kill him? And then I began to realize that that was wrong to ask that. So I said, well, just take me. So let me just tell you, if you say things like that, God hears you. <laughs> so be careful if you're saying anything like that. So I did. And I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. So I got pneumonia and I got really ill. And during that time, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was very popular, you know, or his speaker and so forth. And the night that I got ill, the next day, I was more ill. My mom didn't take me in. My stepdad didn't want her to take me. So we don't have the money, which my grandmothers would have spotted them and taken care of it. They were a couple hours away, but they would have helped for sure. But my mom finally called the hospital. They didn't have these. They had the emergency room, but they didn't have these little centers you can go to now, right? And so she called and they said, put me on ice. My fever was uh, got up to... 103.9, close to 100. Uh, I think it did get over 104, but I just remember the last was 103.9. She put me in ice. I remember that to this day, ice. When you're burning up, you do not want to be in a tub of ice. That was very shocking. And so I'm in the tub of ice and then she dries me off. She tries to feed me. She doesn't realize my lungs are collapsing. And so I don't eat. I'm not hungry. I can't eat actually. So I lay down to go to bed. She checks me in about an hour. And I'm completely soaked the entire bed and my outfit. So she grabs me. She tells my stepdad, who's now she's married to, she said, okay, we got to go now to the hospital. Well, in the meantime, Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. So they put up National Guard everywhere. You could not leave. You couldn't drive, not after 10. So at this point, it was 11 p.m. You know, we weren't allowed on the roads. You can get arrested. 
So he had a media car working at the station WKIX. And so we got in the media car. We And as we were driving along, I left my body. I had shallow breathing and I died. And I saw all the fires going on and the riots in the distance. And I followed the car. I guess it was 150, 200 feet up in the air. I followed the car. This until someone come back inside. Then I'd follow the car above because I was kind of curious looking. I felt no pain because I was not in my body. The minute you're in your body, that's different. But I didn't feel any pain. And we hit the first barricade of the National Guard. And they said, what are you doing? They could definitely see I was passed out or not breathing or something's going on. They said they so they called ahead and let us go straight through. They even called the hospital for us, uh, which I remember was Rex Hospital in Raleigh because T-Rex, you know, remember that. But, you know, my kid it reminds me of a dinosaur. So we went on. And when I got there, there was eight to 12 assistants and a couple doctors waiting for me. And they rushed me in. But I'm still I'm not in my body. I'm above watching this whole thing and watching the team watching go into the room, watching the lights. I'm looking, I just observe, I'm just observing. It's kind of odd. I'm just observing in a detached manner my body. And then I'm seeing them pump out goop. They put me up to all these equipment and part stuff. And then they, they put something where they're trying to, they're pump stuff out of my, I didn't feel any of this. I was watching from above that they put, um, they're trying to get a pulse. They're pulling this goopy stuff, which my lungs were filling up with this little pussy, whatever it was. And so they're trying to get a pulse. I know they worked on me a couple hours. When they came in, they said DOA, 15 minutes. Okay. They collected 15 minutes. And then for two hours, they tried to get a pulse. So they even went, there were two male doctors working on me and they were frustrated I would die, and then they would try to bring me back a lot. They would die and try to bring me back. They One of them went to my mom outside who was sitting, who was crying, cussing out my stepdad. <laughs> I saw that too, okay? That, yeah, I felt bad for her. I wanted to hug her, but that's what was going on. And he, the doctor came out and said, we're trying to get her, we're trying to get her pulse, uh, we're trying to get her vitals. I don't think mom knew how bad it was. I don't think she knew what that really meant. And so uh, he went back and they're trying and they would get a slight pulse and then they would lose it. They would get a slight pulse and lose it. So eventually it got very quiet and the sheet was covered up over my head, which it was just peaceful. It was just quiet. And then I saw as a spirit and I was zooming around the hospital. I get bored, by the way. Let me back up. I didn't like seeing all that gross stuff they were doing. I would go to the hospital and talk to people. One little girl did see me. She could see me as a spirit. We are spirits. So you don't have to be dead. I mean, uh, but most people kind of stay in their vessel. But she did see me. And then I would zoom and come back. But this last time, it went somber. And I saw a female and male. And I knew they were Catholic because they had rosaries and the way they were dressed, their outfits. I didn't know too much later as an adult in life that that, the old hospital rags was started by the Catholics. I didn't know that. I didn't grow up Catholic, but I could tell by the outfits. that. And the, the woman said, blessed are the innocent. And they were praying over me in, as a spirit. And so I felt as though they used to have a children mission. And their mission still is that. So next thing I know, within a flash, I mean, it was just so quick. I'm looking beside me 
Um, first of all, I'm in a field, the most gorgeous paradise field you've ever seen. I'm looking beside me and there is Jesus. I knew for a fact it was him. Like there was like, even if you didn't know him, you would know him. I'm just, you're thinking, how's that possible? He's a big deal over there, <laughs> but it was him. And he was very friendly. He was very glowy, emanating uh, light coming out of him. Really beautiful teeth, very friendly, kind eyes. And he said, he had my hand on the right side and he was kneeling. And I said, you're that man I talked to because my grandmother told me to talk to him that he's your friend, which he is. <laughs> he was my friend. He's resurrected me a few times, but he was kneeling. He was beside me. And he said, you have to go back, little girl. And I pointed and over to the left were children playing on a roundabout, you know, where you spin around. I said, well, they're here. And he's like, no, you have to go back. And there was, I did have the sensation that I couldn't go, but so far I did have that sensation. But he, I'm looking at this beautiful field and it's just perfect looking like a perfect day. He finally said, he said, well, you can stay a little bit longer. And he said, I want to tell you some few things. Walk with me. And he first told me before we started walking, he said, you have to go back. And he said, there's much that you have to do that you've been given a lot and that he wraps me in his protection and love. And then he goes, let's walk. So we started walking in this pasture. It was really beautiful, grass, soft. Every, the color's amazing. Just more vibrant. You know, like when you turn your TV up, really vibrant. That's what it looked like. It was really pretty. Everything, right weather, smell good. Yeah, you have senses. Why wouldn't, I'm thinking, why wouldn't God give us senses? But yeah, you have the sensation, even if you didn't really have a body like here. And I did have a body, but it obviously wasn't body like this. It wasn't flesh, but it was like a spirit body. I felt great. And we're walking along and I'm seeing all the grass blades, all the flowers, the clouds, the tree limbs, they're all following him. And I'm thinking, does he know that? <laughs> and so we stop in front of this tree and there's a big rock there. He said, we can sit here. And I felt I couldn't go past this tree. Now, I feel personally now, this big tree, it was beautiful, was probably the tree of life. Okay, that's just my interpretation. But we sat, it felt like a significant tree. We, he sat there and he said, ask me what you want. And at this place, this tree, the tree looked kind of like white flowers, like a cherry blossom, but it had little red grapes on it. He goes, we don't eat from it. And I was thinking, I wasn't thinking about that. You know, I mean, I got a lot of questions. Really wasn't thinking about eating from the tree. He said, it's a very wise tree. And I'm like, okay. And, you know, I didn't want to talk about the tree. So we sat there and I asked him things like, how is energy made? And then he would instantly telepathy, mind to mind, boom, put it in my head. I just knew. And I was like, okay, I got bored with that. Then he started talking and he said, I want to talk to you about manifestation, how we create you know, how we create things from our mind. And I was like, okay. He said, in heaven, we do it really quickly. Whatever we want happens quickly if we want to be somewhere. It's the same process on earth. It just takes a lot longer. So that's why it's very important for you to be mindful of what you want and where you put your thoughts. And I was like, okay, <laughs> can I try the one here? He goes, okay. So I visualized we were in a little boat and we were in a stream and these little fish came up and I was on one end of the little boat. Jesus was on the other end. The fish swam up to Jesus. He picked one up, said hello to it, put it back down. He goes, that's how we fish here. 
then he began talking about manifesting things in the world and manifesting love. And he began to talk about my mission and helping people to understand that they are love and that they are important and help people to know that, which he often tells me now, be the love you're created to be. And so I said, mm, I don't know, this world's a lot going on. Remember, I just left with the violence. <laughs> that everything was shut down because the fire is burning, you know? So, yeah, I'm like, I don't know about this world. I don't think I can do that. And he said, no, I could do it. And that he would help me. And he had others that would help me and angels that would help me. And he would help me. And then I had several ones over there helping me, but there are people on this earth that also had a similar mission and that they're also going to be doing it. And I wouldn't be alone. And I said, I just don't know. I just don't think those odds ring up. I don't think that. <laughs> yeah. So I argue with Jesus. Uh, I wasn't mean about it. I just, what he was asking, I didn't think I could do. And so he guaranteed that I would be able to do it. And of course, this day I sit here thinking, am I doing it? You know, I have my YouTube channel and I have all these different things trying to help people for free, a lot of it. And I don't know, but I'm trying. My mission is really important because I did say yes. Yeah. So I was there for three days. I was put in a induced coma and I was there three days with him, which in the three days that I spent with Jesus in heaven felt like an eternity. And then bonus, when I came back, I still hear his voice. I still talk to him. But of course, I think that's available to everybody because we're all from heaven, right? And he loves everybody, even if you don't know him. But it changed me when I came back. I feel like that what I learned from my near-death experiences is that this, I feel that the world that we live in is somewhat like a holographic universe that's creating experiences for us. And that this world, there's so much more than beyond what we can see, that the spiritual world, the veil behind it, is just as important as this world. And the things that we don't see are, are the most important, like faith, love, kindness, gentleness, passion, creativity, doing the right thing. All these things, these emotions and concepts are more important than things here. And so especially seeing oh, my last ND where I was in the galaxy, I saw the furniture break down into it looked like the matrix little lines. So I'm convinced that we are living in some type of that our true self is a spirit and we're living in some kind of holographic universe to have this experience so we can learn and hopefully make good decisions based on love and unity. So if you want to get in touch with me or know more about me, you can see the links below. Just remember what Jesus told me, be the love you're created to be. And I send you my love. Thanks for listening.